Howdy folks, Ryan here. Just a quick note before we start the show. Um, we recorded this on Friday before the race had been called. Uh, just as I was finishing up the edit, it was called. So, you know, we take that for granted, uh, but just don't, you know, uh, have it as a certainty during the discussion. So just keep that in mind. And uh, yes, and have a good celebration today. Enjoy it for just at least a, a little bit. Uh, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper, here for our uh, post-election post-mortem, um, a special <laughs> extra bonus episode where, you know, we kind of speculate aimlessly about the future of our wretched country and, um, you know, what what could happen. <laughs> the, and the patient is not yet dead, possibly in a coma. Uh, some people are pronouncing the patient dead for the autopsy to be done right away. And some people think it's just a matter of time before the patient dies. But I'm going to stop the extended metaphor. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. You all know, but we're gonna we're gonna not wait for the uh, official death to occur. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the uh, autopsy now. Yeah, the the so a number of organizations like Decision Desk uh, HQ they've called they called it this morning. This is we're recording on Friday. Um, from everything I've looked at, it's completely impossible uh, for him to win, or all but impossible. Uh, but Ryan, what about the widespread fraud that might account for thousands of votes that are being stolen in all of the important swing states? Yeah. Except strange, except strangely, the lack of fraud uh, in the Senate, which is a weird omission on the conspirators' part. I mean, I would say if Democrats were to steal an election, they would be the only people who could be incompetent enough to not actually win a lot of important <laughs> seats. But also uh, smooth enough to work with the Republicans in, say, Georgia to yeah. ensure that the running of their election uh, favored the Democrats, because that's, uh, that's a pretty clever conspiracy. But in any case, um, absent that, which there's zero evidence for, it seems not only likely, but inevitable, uh, and just a matter of how big the win is, exactly. Yep. Trump is done. He lost. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. He's d <laughs> loser, loser, folks. Is that a very low energy performance? I oh, man. You saw him in that speech and he was just so quiet. And, you know, it's like he he knew and he's gone on to, you know, I mean, the whole Trumpist uh, wing of the party is just lying their heads off about all this fraud, which, of course, they say is only happening in like, you know, majority black cities like Philly. But uh he, I think he knows, you know, deep down at least that he's done and Biden's going to be the next president. And that, I would say, you know, is worth celebrating. Biden sucks. We hate him, folks, don't we? He's he's bad. True. Um, and I am not looking forward to him probably screwing everything up, making the trying to make the wrong decision, at least at every turn, just about. But getting rid of this fucking piece of shit, Donald Trump. Woo. We love to see it, don't we? Don't we folks? We love to see it. 
We really do. We really do. And we're going to give out accolades, uh, I'm sure, later on uh, for all the many people that uh, helped oust this this uh, this thug, this this um, comic uh, proto fascist clown. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that, you know, that is worth celebrating, even though Democrats maybe won't take the Senate. It looked impossible there for a while, but it actually isn't. We'll get into that in a bit, I think. Um, but basically, it's down to 48 versus 50 now, 50 Republicans, almost certainly. And there's going to be two runoffs January 5th in Georgia. And that will see who controls it. And if Democrats win both of them, um, then they will, uh, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris will be the, the tie-breaking vote. And so they will have their own majority leader and so on. And so that now, gives Ryan, you... Ryan, is a, is, a, is a runoff simply the candidates uh, have a race and they race uh, 100 yards and whoever wins the race uh, <laughs> actually gets to be the new senator? Is that how that works? I'm not sure. Um, okay. But because I, I don't know, I, I feel like we might be in, I think our, our candidates might be better, uh, better equipped for that. They might have better stamina. You know, John Ossoff looks like a pretty sprightly fellow. I think he could pretty, he'd probably be thinking. quick in a foot race. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, you know, maybe we can dig into the details a little bit. What, what happened, you know, how did Biden win, but why wasn't it as predicted, you know, a, a, a blowout? Um, I mean, it was looking at the popular vote. Uh, it's looking not close at all. It's looking that Biden may beat Obama's margin of victory in 2012 in terms of the popular vote. But the all the polling averages had him way up in Wisconsin, way up in Michigan, uh, way up in Pennsylvania, up in Florida by a little bit close in Ohio. That didn't happen at all. It's really close in uh, you know, within a point or less than a point, um, in Pennsylvania and, um, and Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, he was predicted to win Florida lost to Florida by a lot, uh, lost Ohio by a lot, like eight points. Um, and, uh, the one, th the one thing, the one thing that jumps out the most is that it was a massive turnout the biggest percentage turnout since 1900. I think that's, I mean, that's yet to be confirmed, but it was huge and it didn't really benefit Biden all that much. Uh, you know, he, right. he I, did I think win. If I, if I recall, what was it? 76%, something like that of eligible voters turned out. Is that something? Right I there, think I so. Think. Yeah. And that's way yeah, yeah. higher even than 2008. Um, so 120 yeah. year turnout. And, um, you know, a lot of people like Bernie Sanders has said for a long time, oh, if all we need to do is to, to like get these low propensity voters to come out and they'll naturally sort of come to us because these are the downtrodden of the earth, you know, the, 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 the poor working class people and a whole lot of those people went Republican. And that, I think, you know, that ought to inspire a little introspection, you know, the, the increased turnout does not necessarily benefit uh, the sort of lefty candidate. 
Um, there and, and yeah, I mean the 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 caveat there is that we didn't have a lefty candidate, so like it, the, the counterfactual is hard to, right. to know. Like how how many of the people that turned out that were were non voters or or were voters who sat out the last election or or maybe sat out a number of elections um, would have come out for Bernie instead of for Trump. Um, but but I guess the the point that you're making there a little bit is that like Biden got great turnout, but Trump also got great turnout. Exactly, and, and we just we just don't know you know the what caused those exact dynamics and. That's a thing to think about. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if Biden had his numbers and Trump had his numbers from 2016, it would have been well, an absolute yeah. massacre. Um, you know, 400 something. I mean, the, the biggest margin since like 1984 or something. And they would have won every Senate seat. Uh, and yeah. and it, you know, it just wasn't the case. Um, one interesting wrinkle uh, you know, sort of looking at some exit polls, who knows how accurate those are. Um, but but also looking at some county level data, which, you know, maybe together can give you a sort of rough picture. Uh, and we see in Florida and especially Texas, the Latino vote went heavily swung to Trump heavily to where, you know, uh, Biden barely won counties that. Uh, Hillary Clinton had won by like 50 points uh, in the last election. Um, meanwhile, Biden made up for that with better margins in the suburbs uh, and, um, you know, around Dallas, Austin, uh, in in the, around the suburbs in uh, Pennsylvania in or, you know, around Philly. Uh, he didn't do that great in Philly proper. It looks like a, about similar to how Hillary did, you know, uh, in 2016, maybe a little bit better, but really boosted his margins around there, you know. And so, uh, ironically, it appears that Trump has depolarized the racial bias in the electorate to some degree. Uh, and he's got and he got a, a little bit better margin. I think 12 percent of the black vote, you know, provisionally, he just did a l slightly better. Not not anything like the Latino thing. But, you know, it was the white people right. moving to Biden, it seems, is what clinched the election for him. And so, well, at, le at the at the very least, the only category that Trump did worse in that than he did in 2016 was white men, I believe. Yeah, uh, I, that's I, and the so, but, provisional but like, conclusion. Yeah, right, right, and but that's relative to his past performance against Hillary Clinton, right? Yep. So we can think about that. Uh, but what you have is, for example. Um, still a very few black women voting for Trump, but like instead of 4%, it's 8%. Yep. Right. Uh, and, and so, so that is a very interesting thing to, to think about. Um, and, uh, and consider what, what might have caused that. Uh, the other thing I'd say is, you know, when, when we get into demographics, it, it's tricky because, uh, identity isn't everything for people. We've talked about this before back when, no. um, you know, there was, Right. When, when people voted for Obama, uh, in large numbers and a lot of them then ended up voting for Trump, um, you know, the, the question was, well, how could somebody who voted for Obama end up voting for Trump? Right. How could somebody usher in the first African American president and then vote for the birther, uh, racist, uh, president? And, and the answer is that these things are, are complicated and people have kind of sometimes conflicting or sometimes, um, you know, variegated reasoning. Uh, so there was the, the thing we've talked about before where a pollster called up somebody and asked, uh, in the Obama, uh, race who, who was gonna, who's gonna vote for versus Obama versus, um, 
uh, Romney, and um, and the voters said, "I'm going to vote for the N word." Yeah. And right, what me, meaning that like even though the person was racist, that wasn't the most important factor. That wasn't like the determinative factor. Yeah. And so similarly, you know, we, that's where intersectionality comes in a little bit. We got to think through. Um, you know, the other thing to focus on is a vote doesn't tell you much about the person or the reasoning or how much they hated the opposition, how much they loved the candidate, how much uh, like the information communicated by the vote is very minimal. Right. So so there's a lot of like extrapolating and, and inferring that has to happen uh, because th- there could be so many different things that that vote expresses. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one area, you know, I, I, I'm beginning to, you know, having thought about this for a while, I'm I'm thinking that that maybe people are kind of overthinking it a little bit. Because, you know, you could say, okay, these exit polls are probably unreliable. Like they're probably off a little bit. They just, they tend, tend not to be that, that good. But in a, in a couple of questions, they are, uh, different. Like, like the margin is so huge. It cannot possibly be wrong. Uh, by like the lockdown. Um, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, like, like, like whether or not you thought, uh, like Joe was construed as kind of the lockdown candidate oh, yeah. and Trump was kind of right. Right. Like, so the correlation for people that, uh, thought that the lockdown itself was the problem versus the pandemic being the problem. Yeah. Um, that, that was like a huge correlation. Like if you thought that yeah. the, the pandemic was causing all the problems, then you were a Biden voter. If you thought that the lockdown itself is what hurt the economy, right. Rather than coronavirus, uh, sounds laughable to a lot of us. Um, but there are reasons one might think that then you think of Biden as, Oh, the, he's the guy that wants to lock down the whole economy. Yep. Yeah, that that makes sense. But but I think there's one there's another explanation, just a simple materialist explanation that actually make is even more compelling. So looking at this New York Times exit poll compared to four years ago, is your family's financial situation better, worse Uh, or about the same? Right. Better today is 41 percent of voters. Trump wins those voters 72 to 25. Worse today, Mm -hmm. 20 percent of voters. Trump loses those 23 to 74. About the same, yep. 38%, Trump loses those 33 to 64. And you think about two things. The first one being uh, the, the Trump economy, you know, the, the, um, the state of the labor market in 2018 and 2019. And this was the first time that we had touched, not, I don't think, not even gotten to full employment, but nudged it, got, got up to it close. It was uh, 3.5% unemployment, something like that. Um, and we hadn't, uh, I mean, that's the lowest in forever. Uh, and it, 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 it was, you know, even then you didn't have the sort of like accelerating inflation that economists would say that, uh, uh, you know, indicates f- true full employment, but nevertheless, like their, uh, jobs are plentiful. Wages are growing stronger than they had been in like over a decade, you know, suddenly employers were like, shit, we have to hire like ex cons now. And, and like people who don't have a lot of work history. Cause like, there just aren't enough people to run the, whatever, you know, all of our services or factories and like that full employment really has a radical effect, um, you know, on, on like the, the, you know, distribution of, uh, of, of wages and, and just like the sort of perception of how a, a country is doing, you know, you, 
you you talk about a time like the tightest labor market we have probably ever had in the in the entire history of America was World War II. And in World War II, uh basically during the decade of the 40s overall the uh wage differential between white and black closed by 50 percentage points. This from a paper by uh, 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 J.W. Mason, who's at uh, uh, CUNY, uh, you know, John Jay College. And like there was no affirmative action or anything like that. It was just they cranked the, the you know, they were running the economies as hot as they could possibly go, you know, to crank out as many tanks and airplanes and whatnot to beat Hitler. But the side effect was this just incredible, you know, equalization. It was like you know, the same dollar for the same work or much closer to that uh, than had been the case just a few years previously. And so, yeah, you have the, you know, like the people's like towards the bottom of society thinking, well, you know, we elected this, this businessman and the economy was great. Best economy I've seen in 20 years. He must've done business stuff and it seems like it did pretty well. The second thing, the CARES Act, you know, you think about the amount of money that put in the pockets of ordinary people. You know, a lot of people were left out. They couldn't get into their state unemployment. You know, website was all fucked up. Their programming was a mess. But if you could get the money, you know, you got, if you're an individual, $1,200. If you're a family of four, you got, I believe, $3,400. If you were unemployed, you know, you got your $600 boost which if you were making less than the average income, you made more money than you had previously. If you were getting by on minimum wage, it was a lot more, like double or even triple your previous income. You know, suddenly people who had been scraping by, you know, people who probably for 20 or 30 years, you know, had never lived uh, other than hand to mouth, suddenly had a huge pile of cash. And they, they uh, you know, built up little nest eggs. I think, you know, a lot of people are still drawing that down, paid off all their bills, paid off credit card debt. I mean, for, for millions and millions of people, this was a godsend like this, the structure of the cares act, I would say is the most generous thing that has ever been passed in this country for broadly speaking, like the working class, again, not perfect. There are a lot of things you could change about how it was negotiated and so on. It should have lasted longer above all. But like the structure of it, who got the money was so good, like the best in the world, I would say, in terms of the distribution mm-hmm. of benefits. And I think there are a lot of people who are just like, you know, they they not really sort of paying attention to the news. This pandemic shit happens like, well, maybe Trump's not doing the best job, but it's not his fault. Exactly. Like he didn't create the mm-hmm. virus and like, well, he's not doing great, but look at all the European countries. They seem to be fucking it up too, which is true, even though it's like, it's not quite accurate. And they think, well, you know, you vote for Trump again and we'll bring back the Trump economy and maybe I'll get another check. And like, that would be good. And I think that honestly uh, makes a lot of sense to me. That makes sense too. And I think people do uh, misapprehend those that that listen to this podcast uh, and, and uh, really are quite knowledgeable relative to the average American about politics and ideology. Don't realize how, you know, even for people that vote every four years, maybe every two years, even yeah. how little intake of um, politics, policy, uh, people, you know, I mean, I remember being just shocked that, uh, that having kind of a conversation in a, in a taxi 
with someone uh, a year ago or, or, or more when the primary was going on. Um, well, you know, in the middle of the conversation about Bernie Sanders, the, the, the driver asked, so did he run as a, uh, was he in the last election? Like, did, had no idea that he almost beat Hillary Clinton and, and was even not quite clear, you know, uh, about, I mean, so many things that we just take for granted people know about politics uh, in the very prominent race for, for presidency, right? That, that yeah. was going on. So, uh, there's also the fact that people aren't ideologically consistent and all that. One thing I would, I would, um, caution about that analysis, it makes a lot of sense, except if you look at, uh, the, the biggest percentage of voters, um, in terms of their, uh, wealth and income that swung to Trump or that were disproportionately for Trump was in the hundred to $200,000 range. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and Biden, uh, did better actually with people in the kind of the, what we consider maybe the working class ranges. So, so the CARES Act from the argument you're making would seem to favor you were saying, I think Trump in, in respect to, to, to being kind of for the first time able, able to save a little bit and kind of, uh, being grateful for having some actual, you know, welfare provisions and some security. But maybe it's more kind of the, you know, even the, the small business owner who's a person of color, perhaps, uh, who is, you know, um, maybe in the, in the six figure range, just barely, but, uh, is quite busy, doesn't really pay, pay attention to politics and, uh, whose business was maybe doing okay. And then the pandemic maybe got bailed out because of the small business, uh, money that came through, even though that was kind of a shit show compared to the, uh, the fed releasing liquidity for big corporations. But, um, so yeah, so that, that's the only thing that made that complicates it for me. Like, who are these people, sure. uh, that, that, that turned to Trump, uh, because of, of the COVID relief, um, when it seems like he's really dominating more in the, in the kind of six figure range for people. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the base of Trump, Trumpism is the sort of petty bourgeoisie, you know, classic, right. basically in the, the Nazi base. But I believe that they're under people making less than 50,000, you know, or, or, you know, I mean, I would include, uh, like in the sort of economic determinism argument, uh, a lot of people in the, you know, uh, up to a hundred thousand, you know, because there are a lot of people who, you know, they may be do been doing fine, but then they, you know, got laid off and, uh, sure. you know, maybe they were thinking, oh, I'm right. going to be screwed. But then, you know, oh, this new thing, uh, came in and like caught me, you know, before I was ruined, um, and yeah, and so it's about, it's about margins. I would say, you know, as, as a rule, the, you know, the Democrats tend to win, you know, the minorities and people making less money. But I think, uh, Trump made some inroads in there and made, especially with the, you know, people of color. Uh, and it, I mean, clearly not the whole thing. Like there's also, you know, Trump's, you know, just his entire personality, like his sort of like, you know, Caudillo like behavior and how that appeals to just like mm -hmm, the authoritarian mm -hmm. personality, you know, the like a sort of neurotic, right. like, like male, uh, uh, type of type of person, you know, and, uh, even just people who want big tax cuts, you know, certainly n number of those, uh, as well. Um, you know, the, 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 the donor class as it were. But uh, in terms of margins, you know, I think I think that I mean, I'm at least sort of talking myself into the idea that the the Trump economy and the CARES Act gave him a boost 
that otherwise he would have gotten killed um, without right, those policies, right. without those things helping him. Yeah, out. and he's he's still going to lose by what is it five million in the popular vote, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it takes um, fucking forever to California to to count the ballots, but <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a massive, um, yeah, a massive margin. Yeah, and it, so so you know the the overall narrative is is uh, a, a big popular vote loss. Uh, but of course we know that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by what is it? 3 million, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, was, was defeated by a small margin that it seems like Biden flipped in say Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, and, and like to be fair to, to those who thought that he would be electable, uh, the argument, uh, at least in part that they made was that he would do well in exactly those states that Hillary Clinton did not do as well. It, you know, with those razor thin margins, right? Like that, that, that flip of those states by, you know, 20,000 votes or whatever, um, especially given the turnout in this election is a very thin margin, but it, it's what made the difference in those states, at least, right? Um, so, you know, there's something to be said for that electability argument. Uh, of, of course, you know, relative to say Bernie Sanders, I don't know that he did better than Bernie would have done, right? We can get into that discussion. Yeah. But, uh, but the overall narrative is, um, it's tough to figure out how to evaluate this, right? Because yeah. the expectations game, right? You've got the expectations game that didn't quite get met, um, in part because Trump's turnout was so much greater than, than people anticipated. Um, and then there's, the, there's the, uh, the additional problem of all the counterfactuals we can't look at and the fact that like maybe turnout was so big because guess what? People were voting for months and months and months. And despite voter suppression in various ways in various states, uh, there was also a tremendous ease of voting compared to in the past, right? Like a tremendous push for, for using, you know, mail and that people were being educated left and right, especially in, in certain states, uh, with democratic mayors and governors. I mean, it's just like plastered for months and months about how to do it, that you should do it. This is election that matters, right? Like, you know, that coupled with all the grassroots organizations um, that are just pushing to get out the vote, uh, you know, hard to say that we should attribute to, to either Trump or Biden uh, rather than this incredible context given the pandemic for why so yeah. many people came out in part, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's why I, I'm some I'm trying I'm trying to be somewhat humble about like saying that T takeaways yeah, right? le yeah that lefty like I think it's it's very there's a very strong argument to say that that the CARES Act and low unemployment 2018 2019 helped Trump a lot uh but I'm I'm pretty reluctant to say that like oh if we nominated Bernie then he for sure would have done way better he would have stomped Trump like I don't think like I think he probably would have done at least as well, but I'm not super right. confident about that because it's just such a weird result in so many areas. You know, I mean, speaking of Latinos, you know, huge, huge swings in, in Texas and Florida, but in Arizona and Nevada, from, from what we can tell, they uh, were barely moved at all. What the fuck is that? I don't know what's going well, in, on there. In in part, in part because that's not a monolithic category. I mean, as, as right, others have yeah. pointed out, uh, first of all, Latino itself is, is like a, not that old of a term to des describe uh, a group of people and and to say that like in the same way that arab is is a bit misleading to to fit people or asian to fit people all in the same category like 
Cubans in Florida versus Puerto Ricans. Guess what? Puerto yeah. Ricans voted for Biden like two to one, right? And yep. Cubans, obviously, specifically in Florida, are you know f- f- were like from the the capitalist class that was like expelled from Cuba. So like you, you know you have a very conservative uh, population of of that particular group of Latinos, right? Like so so you know it's just. It's too easy to try to like group people together and say they right. act in one way. No, right? no, of course. But that's that's the thing. It's like I don't have a clear picture of why one went one way and why one went the other way. And so yeah, yeah. I'm well, which re- is which is why that framing the framing of the question though is is what bothers me. Like like you know Biden uh, not meeting expectations is is like the basis for shitting on Bernie Sanders somehow. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, right. I mean, the flip the flip side of that, uh, you know that that supposition is I don't think there's any argument. Like, there's no convincing argument to say that Bernie Sanders would have lo- would have lost for sure. You know, I think I think he would have done like poorly among Florida, Florida Cubans, because, you know, they're so conservative and paranoid about socialism, but Biden did very poorly for the same reason. So like, you know, what, like, yeah, I feel this is a jujitsu move. This is what I'm saying. I I feel it. Yeah. Like, like, like the fact that Biden didn't do as well is being turned into a jujitsu move to, to actually show that Bernie's plan wouldn't have worked well. And it's like a weird, it's like, okay, so yeah, we don't really understand what happened in the dynamics with Biden, but Biden underperformed running on a centrist kind of no platform campaign. And, and we had always said when we argued for Bernie that like anyone that would vote for Biden is voting against Trump and Bernie would get those people for the most part. Right. And we also argued that like Bernie would also probably get people that hated Biden. Like, I think there's a contingent of people that either stayed home or could not vote for Biden. Uh, maybe some of the people that went for Trump uh, that were African-Americans, in fact, uh, because of Biden's association with the crime bill. I mean, look at what he said in Philly right after somebody was executed by the police in Philly. You know what I mean? So so like our idea was yeah. like, it seems like Bernie has the ability to at least turn out or convert voters that Biden couldn't, but that Bernie wouldn't really lose people that are mostly voting against Trump. And I think that still holds as a fair counterfactual. Yeah, yeah, right. But all of all of this electoralism, though, was like because the main thing is you should put up the candidate who has the principles and the leadership and the platform that is good for people that that you should support on principle, unless for some reason you think it's impossible for them to win. And so this has been turned around in the weirdest way, right? Where Biden was supposed to be the one who nobody believed in for because of his policies or because of his vision or because of his character. Like literally he's the electability guy. So like, this is so backwards to me that like the, the pragmatic argument was let let the centrists, uh, you know, are, are what's going to lead the way. And the pragmatic move is what's going to matter. And so, you know what the elites, if they, if they threw behind Biden to make him defeat Bernie Sanders, it's worth it. Cause he's going to beat Trump, you know? And the fact that it's totally unclear that that is in fact true and we threw away the potential for a truly principled visionary who wants to help a grassroots movement actualize real, necessary, existential like policies to fight climate change and structural racism and, and healthcare issues. I mean, that the, the travesty is they're doing it again. They're, they're kicking left and punching left right now when the whole argument for Biden was supposed to be that the left couldn't win like he could, right? That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening.